Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Kelsey F. says that she realizes now that she didn't need to just quit drinking and using drugs. She needed a place that could teach her how to live. Kelsey's life hadn't always been about trying to manage chaos. She starts off describing what it was like the first time she used drugs and where things went from there. I remember the first time being like, oh, this is like, I've always wanted this weight. I felt like lifted off of me. I was never comfortable with who I was. Um, There was a lot of emotional abuse from my stepmom growing up. So I just was never, I never liked me. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to feel like I belonged somewhere. So I would just, it was like, it didn't take much peer pressure. If it was, we're all doing this and this is what you have to do to fit in with us, I was going to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So... I was playing basketball. I had actually taken the SATs. I did really well. Duke became very interested in me, and they saw I played basketball. I had straight A's. Like, things were going good. Like, I would Mm -hmm. get stuff from Duke all the time. Like, pretty much this is where I was going to go. That was my dream, my passion. And then I tried cocaine for the first time and loved it. Like, absolutely fell in love with it, was like, this is it. Like, this is the answer to everything, the way I've been feeling, the things going on. This is how I can numb myself out. Um, So in the minute I did that, it became an everyday thing from the very beginning. Um, I stopped going to practice, Mm -hmm. stopped going to school, and then I got arrested, you know, um, for possession of cocaine. And I was 18 years old, like had just, you know, barely become legal enough to go to jail and was already like arrested, you know, right in the very beginning. And and I went to my first like treatment kind of, it was an outpatient. The whole time I was there, I was like, this is, you know, BS. This isn't like, I don't have a problem, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I just had lost a scholarship to do everything. Um, And even then, I refused to see that there was a problem. But, of course, relapsed before I even finished the outpatient treatment, you know. um, Started smoking weed again and even lied about it when they were like, are you smoking weed? And I failed the drug test and was still like, no, I'm not smoking weed. You know, it must be in the bagels, you know. (laughs) um, (laughs) So I uh, continued to just – and my mom, I think – you know, she, her and my grandmother, my counselors and stuff would joke that they're the two queens of codependency for me. Like my queen enablers, like they would feel I would use the guilt they felt behind how things were at my dad's house with him and my stepmom. I would use that to manipulate situations to make them feel bad. So like my mom would be like, all right, you're only allowed to go to meetings and that's it. So I would say I was at a meeting, but I was really out getting messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, I started going to parties and drinking and like the consequences would be somewhat bad. But even with the court system, my parents, people would always like not let me fall. Mm -hmm. So I'd always get you know, they would catch me before I could fall. So I would never really hit any kind of bottom. My life is like falling apart and I am failing to realize this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there would be periods where I would just stop doing stuff because I didn't want to go back to jail. Mm -hmm. But the minute that 
you know, leash was off and it's like, all right, you're done with probation. It's like, yes, I can get messed up again. You know, like it was never, oh, this is something I can't do. This is going to be bad. It was, all right, I'm still not controlling it the way that I need to. Mm -hmm. Every time I felt like it was a lesson in, okay, this is how you need to control it, you know? Um, So then I, uh, I got pregnant. Well, I should say I started, you know, taking prescription, mm-hmm. you know, painkillers and um, graduated very quickly, like went from very low doses to very high doses in mass quantities very quickly. I didn't realize opiates are like heroin mm-hmm. and they make you go through physical detox. Like everything I'd done, it was like a mental, like I just need to control my mind and yeah. say I didn't need it. But this was like, oh my God, I have to have this to function. Mm-hmm. So I got on Google and was like, how to get off pain pills. Doesn't pull up detox places first. It says methadone clinic, methadone clinic, methadone clinic. So I was like, oh, what's this? You know, so I click on it and I find out where this place is. I go there and I get put on methadone. Um, And then a month later, I'm pregnant with my first daughter. So that was 2012. And, um, I decided to stay on the methadone through the pregnancy. And uh, and even the clinic and my OBGYN at the time were both like, we'd preferred if you stayed on it because withdrawals can be really dangerous, you know, for the baby. So in my mind, that's permission to mm-hmm. keep doing what I'm doing. One of the hardest things, I like it's a memory that's like burned in my mind forever. She'll never remember it. But after I had her, she had to stay for 30 days to be detoxed off the methadone. Um, and they were, you know, taking her off with morphine and everything. And I remember I would get like a week's worth of my methadone dose at the clinic and then go sit up at the hospital. But it was, it was really hard, like to see like the shame and guilt that I still like will experience over it is like this innocent baby is in like so much pain. And, um, I'm sorry, because it always gets me a little <laughs> choked up to think about because, um, you know, I felt, you know, but then in my mind, I was like, well, at least I'm here with her. These other drug addict babies, the nurses are taking care of them. Their moms aren't here. Like, I'm here, though, you know, and I'm going to make sure she doesn't, you know, experience like full blown withdrawals. Like I was still deceiving myself. I was still like letting my disease tell me pretty much what to do, how to think, and what how to act. So everything just started slowly spiraling out of control, and then it picked up, and it was just like a tornado, just one thing after another after another, and I was just going down and down and down. You're listening to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. After multiple encounters with the law, robbing laundromats, failing mandated drug screens, and a car chase with law enforcement, she found herself in jail. Kelsey describes her journey from the courtroom into early recovery at Mar. The judge was like, I'll give you two options right now. He was like, you're going to serve your time for your probation violation. He was like, that's going to happen regardless. He was like, but as far as this custody situation is concerned, he was like, you can keep doing what you want to do and living this life, but you don't need to take your innocent child down with you. You have family, your mom and your dad, both willing to take care of her, you know, you can be kidless and keep doing what you're doing. He's like, or if you really want help, tell us. And he was like, I'm going to let you just go into the holding cells and hang out for the day. And he's like, and I'll check in with you later on. 
my attorney, who is an alumni. Mm. <laughs> and she's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I need help. Like, this is not working. You know, I don't. I was like, I can't remember ever being happy. I can't remember the last time I actually enjoyed waking up in the morning and being like, I'm alive. Like, this is good. You know, um, it would be like, oh, crap, I'm alive mm -hmm. again. You know, let's try and see if we can succeed today. Um, but she goes, well, I said, I need help. And she goes, well, I know a place. <laughs> I was like, why not? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? My life's mm -hmm. going to get even worse than this. Yeah. You know, like I, at, for me, my life was as bad as it could possibly get at that point. So I um, ended up in Mar and um, hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, oh, my God, I have to live with a bunch of females. Uh -huh. I can't talk to men. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my gosh. And, of course, after four years of being on methadone and opiates, withdrawals and detox, I was still detoxing a month into my stay at Mar. But I still did all, like, that's one thing my counselors always applauded me on. They were like, you still did your step work. Like, you felt like we could see it. Like, mm -hmm. you felt like death. You were willing. Mm -hmm. You were just letting your disease try to tell you that you weren't. Mm -hmm. You know, because when, and it was because I was just so broken. Like, I was so desperate. Because I was like, I cannot die being a junkie and an alcoholic. Like, this is not what I want to do, you know? And that's when I started thinking about my aunt and how, you know, my cousin doesn't have a mom now because she chose that life. And, you know, she never got to see her grandkids. And it's just like, I don't want that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I, but I hated Mar. I didn't want to be there, <laughs> you know? Like that was just, I broke rules a lot. I would go in the gas station by myself to buy cigarettes. I would. Um, I remember getting caught at a meeting at the late night meeting, which is why it got banned the first time because I was talking to men. So for a year and a half, the girls weren't allowed to go to that meeting because of me. <laughs> um, I got the group, the girls banned from that meeting. They put us on Community Buddy. So what's like, Community Buddy? It's the worst. Okay. Um, because you all have to stay together at all times. Oh. If you're upstairs, everybody's got to be upstairs. If you're downstairs, everybody's got to be downstairs. You all have to go to the same meetings together. You all have to, if you walk somewhere to the store, we all got to go. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, if a lady needed feminine products, guess what? The whole house is going with, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we have to, if we go outside to smoke, everybody's got to go outside. Mm -hmm. If we go over to another apartment, everybody's got to go over to the apartment. Like it's literally, we are all stuck together at all times. And it's kind of like, so we can learn each other and be able to call each other out when we know that somebody is like BSing. Mm -hmm. Like, no. I just spent the last week with you, like yeah. stuck on you. And I know right now something's not right. You know, it's like really pretty much so the community can see like what to look out for after community buddy. Like, all right, we just spent this whole week or two with this, these people. We see what their behaviors are. And then when it starts being different and deviating, then people start to know like, oh, we need to rein in this, you know, roommate, like right. something's not right. right. You know, we need to let one of the counselors know like something's going on. So it's not just this like pointless punishment no. to like make you guys feel no. bad. <laughs> yeah. It's to actually like for me, it's like about accountability and actually learning 
learning to be outside of yourself and look yeah. out for others. Wow. Right. So, you know, not be so in your head and be able to be like, okay, I think, you know, Jess isn't feeling too good. Like she seems really down. Like she's not her usual self, you know? So they put us on community buddy, of course, because uh -huh. they were like, sorry, ladies, but y'all need to rope Kelsey in. Like y'all are letting her, you know, like, because when you're in a house, it's a team effort. Like that's yeah. what we had to learn. Like this is a we thing. Like we can't do this on our own. And of course I'm like, yes, I can. Yeah. I can do this on my own. Um, my two best friends from Mar still talk like we were just all texting in a group message yesterday. They were so mad at me because they were actually the ones that were like called the pager or the cell phone on me. And we're like, we think Kelsey's going to the meeting to talk to men, you know, and, um, to this day, like, I thank them for that. I'm like, you know, you did that and things just like started changing. We got on community buddy and it was so miserable at first, but then it was like, oh my God, like, I love these girls. Yeah. Like, so, of course, I was mad when I got caught, right. but afterwards, it's like, those girls are my two best friends. Like, one's in Ohio and one's in McDonough, and we still all talk at least on a weekly basis. That was when they really showed up for you. Yeah. Right? And that's what I ended up realizing. Right. Like, yeah. Didn't feel oh, like it no, at the time. Didn't feel like it at the time because I was in trouble, yeah, you know? Right. But afterwards, after the community buddy, it was like, I told them, I remember telling them, I'm like, I know y'all hate me because we were on Community Buddy, but it was honestly like the best thing that could have happened. And thank you for telling on me. And so they're like your closest friends now. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So it's, and, and I love those girls to death. Like we all have daughters the exact same age. What structure did you get from Mar that? Well, that's what's so funny is this is when I started to see the reasons behind all the roles. Don't talk to men. Found out. I've got a major issue with men. Every time I use, it's with men. Every time I've relapsed, it's with a guy. I have a problem with men. I don't need to talk to men. Don't need to be around men. I mean, like, not talk to them like that. Yeah. So I started getting really into my therapy. I'm Courtney is now my therapist, but and she's awesome. So <laughs> it's great. But um, started really working on the issues with my father. And it's so crazy how once I came to accept that our relationship is just the way it is right now. Like if I try to push it, it's that's running on my will. Like mm -hmm. if, when it's time, it'll be time. You know, um, I once I accepted that this void I was always filling with guys mm -hmm. went away. I was like, like Mar and then like learning with like doing the aftercare groups and spirituality. It's like really becoming comfortable as a woman, like in society, like mm -hmm. I don't have to be what all this TV, you mm -hmm. know, magazines, paper, everything that it's telling me I need to be like, I don't have to be like, mm -hmm. you know, um, that stupid $60 a week budget really comes in handy when you're a single <laughs> mom of two and right. you need to budget money, you know, um, it's all these things that I started seeing like it's funny. I now make my bed every day before I leave my house. Yeah. And I remember that was like that a, was rule. a rule here. Yes, yeah. that was a rule at Mar. And it makes me feel good. Like when yeah. I come home, my house is put together. It's not destroyed, you know? Yeah. Like I actually put my laundry away now. Just like Mar taught me how to be an adult, yeah. like how to actually live my life. Because here I was thinking I was controlling my life and living my life, but I was doing it wrong because things kept messing up. But really, I just didn't know how to live, mm -hmm. you know? I didn't want to feel. And waking up and feeling so thankful that I don't have to go to a clinic, that I can get up 
and I don't need something in my body anymore to go through my day. Mm-hmm. Like I can actually wake up and do what I need to and go through life like everybody else does, right. you know? And when I go to meetings, like I feel I can go into a meeting feeling so on edge and irritated and anxious. And when I walk out, I feel a thousand times better. And it's even better than that when I am do aftercare because mm-hmm. it's like these girls that I know that we know each other's stories. Like we're all bonded in some way. Like I get so much from that. Even the new girls that come in, they remind me of what it was like when I came in there. Even at the time when I was still unwilling and, you know, being stubborn, like stuff still got in, mm-hmm. like, because mm-hmm. it's things that I think about now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's why she told me that. Like, oh, my gosh, Courtney was right. <laughs> you right, know, like, right, right. You know, and then I'm like, damn her. <laughs> like, uh, so it's, you know, and just taking the suggestions, like I never wanted to listen to them. But now, like when they suggest something, I'm like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Because I don't like the way I feel and I'm not going to do drugs or alcohol to change it. Like, let's solve the problem because yeah. that's not going to do anything, you know. In addition to Kelsey starting to try to find a new way to live, her treatment gave her family the opportunity to heal as well. She talks about relationships with some of her family members, what they were like before coming to Mar and what those relationships are like now. They would confront me and I would like explode. I would make them afraid of me. So I would start breaking things. Like I remember I've hit my grandmother before. I've hit my mom before. Pretty much like I made them fear me. Mm. So it was not even a topic to be approached, you know, um, and after I got tomorrow and we did family week, like, that's when I found out, like, my mom didn't sleep, like, because she never knew if I was going to be okay. Like, that's when I found out, like, they were both scared, you know, of me, you know, and that was hard to hear, you know, that my family was afraid of me. Um, so she just kept telling herself pretty much, like, because my, her brother is just like me. Like, I have all the same behaviors. Like, they knew what was going on, but I made them so afraid of it. And they were kind of like, she's got to hit somewhere where Mm. she realizes this is, you know, it. But still my enablers because my Mm. grandma's still allowing me to live at the house in North Carolina. You know, she's, I mean, I would literally disappear in the evening time after getting Riley to bed, be gone all night and show up at 5 a.m., get Riley off to daycare, pass out for the whole day, pick her up from daycare, repeat it over. Wow. Like, And, you know, for my mom, every time she'd be like, I'm never doing this again. Like, I'm done. I would always manipulate the situation. And what would you say to family members in terms of get, you know, if they're dealing with loved ones who seem out of control or they don't know what to do or or every time they try to confront them, they blow up. Like, what have you learned from your um, your experience that you would pass on to them? My experience has taught me and my family that a person deep in their disease is not going to be the person that you remember them as. You know, the things I did, the things I said, you know, how I acted, that is not the Kelsey that was pre-drugs and alcohol. Like, I was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like, that's how it was. Um, So... One thing I want to tell, like, any family member is never take 
personally things that addicts or alcoholics do because we're not doing it to hurt you. It's to serve a better purpose for ourselves because we're so in our selfishness and only thinking about that next, you know, drink or drug. Um, But as far as, you know, I have a friend whose daughter is 19 and she's going through this with her daughter. And I said, the hardest thing is, you know, my mom knows this and you have to let us fall. If we're always getting caught before we can hit and truly like have to pick ourselves up, we're never going to realize like what we're doing is becoming an issue. But the minute I fell and my parents couldn't catch me because it was the courts now and it was my kid getting taken, when they couldn't catch me and Kelsey fell flat on her face and had to be the one to pick herself up and scrape, you know, dust off the scrapes and, you know, pick herself up. That's when it was like, this is what I want to do. This something's wrong, mm-hmm. you know. But all those times that I kept getting caught, I'd be like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, well, of course not. I didn't fall. Yeah, you know, right, right. It was I kept getting saved every time, mm-hmm. you know, never really facing severe consequences. Or if there were, they weren't implemented, you know, for as long as they were saying they were going to implement. But for family members, it's one of those things where, you know, and it's, I know it's hard. Like I can only imagine having to be like, you know, that's my kid, but I can't, I can't do this, but that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what it takes because at the end of the day, even with family members of alcoholics and drug addicts, like my mom does like Al-Anon and stuff, like they have to start taking care of their selves, you know, like just as much as when we're getting clean and, you know, sober, we have to think about ourselves Family members have to take care of themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, like I hate the nights that I kept my mom awake, you know, I hate the nights that she put off, you know, something for her health or something for her career or something for my brother and sister because she was having to come and, you know, save me. Mm -hmm. Um, But now like, you know, she takes care of herself Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and it took a lot for me to finally fall, but Like my mom and I, our relationship now is far better than it could have ever been. And even with my grandmother and family week was the best thing I've ever done. The impact group where you pretty much sit there and word vomit all the things that you did to that person. That was the most cleansing experience I've ever had. The most tearful, emotional experience, but the most cleansing. Because then it was like, now you know what to look for. So if it starts happening, like, you know, something's going wrong. But at the end of the day, nobody can tell me if, you know, or anybody, hey, you got to go get your life together. Mm -hmm. A person has to see that their life is unmanageable before they'll decide like, hey, whether they want to get it together or not, you know. So it took me falling flat on my face to realize my life is unmanageable Mm -hmm. and I have a problem. Yeah. What what would have happened if they would have said, okay, you can pick what you want to in order to get help? Like, do you think that would have worked for you? Oh, no. Uh, if somebody had been like, hey, you want to go do an outpatient program? Right. I would have been like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, you know? Right. At that time, I would have, yeah, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I don't know how to live, so I need somewhere that's going to show me how to live and make me live by their rules, yeah. you know, like, and there's actual consequences that they follow through on, you know, that I've never had experience mm-hmm. before, you know, um, like 
And, you know, for my mom, every time she'd be like, I'm never doing this again. Like I'm done. I would always manipulate the situation. And, you know, eventually like my mom even had to have a disconnect, you know, from it all. Like when I went to North Carolina, she disconnected. I would call her trying to guilt her being like, I'm just going to go to a homeless shelter with Riley. And she'd be like, if you feel that's what's best, that's what you need to do. Wow. You know, like my mom had to disconnect uh-huh. and start focusing on herself. Um, and now things, I mean, things are great. That's like, awesome. It's really great. So, and she'll even get surprised because I'll calm her down and I'll be like, listen, you're stressing out about crossing a bridge. You're not even sure you're going to have to cross. Mm-hmm. Like, just chill. And she'd be like, oh, my God, you're calming me down? <laughs> when did that start happening? <laughs> you know? Kelsey continues to stay involved in MAR through our aftercare, which is available to people who complete our program. She also talks about how she wishes she had stayed as a resident for longer at MAR in our three-quarters program and refers to wanting to come back to MAR's Renewal Week, a yearly opportunity extended to clean and sober alumni to come back to MAR to participate in treatment for a week, free of charge. What was the aftercare group? What, tell me more about that aftercare group because no one's really talked about that on the okay. podcast. Well, when at Mar at the Women's Center on Wednesday nights, any new girls that are in phase one go upstairs for mentoring with an alumni. Then the other two groups are split. And these groups not only have halfway who are in job phase, three quarters, and alumni. So it's a mixture of all three of us mm-hmm. in one room. And we'll introduce ourselves. We have to, you know, say how we feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is <laughs> women who've come through the program? Yes. And women who are in it still. In it still. And then people and in kind of in all phases mm-hmm. of it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's like. And that's aftercare for you. But for them, it's just part of the 90 yeah, days. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But for me, it's like I get so much out of okay, it. Gotcha. And. You know, she'll ask, Courtney will ask if we need time after we, and I'll be like, you know, no, I'm good today. Or, yeah, I'd like to check in. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I just have an update on something that I talked about a couple weeks ago, you Mm -hmm. know. And like I said, I literally, when I found out I was pregnant, that group is the first group of people that knew. Like, that's the closeness I feel to the people in there. Even if I don't really know them, like, there's this bond there. And it's like... Courtney's group, it's like, what is said here stays here, you Mm -hmm. know? So I always know that there's this safe place where when there's something I don't even feel I can tell my mom and grandma who I'm the closest to, I can tell them, you know? Um, And you're not even a patient at Mar anymore. No. And you still have that Yes. Wow. (laughs) It always feels like home. Yeah. And I never thought that. Like, the people that stop going, I'm just like, I can't imagine not having aftercare. Like, you know, I think about that. I'm like, man, when I go to move, I'm not going to have more, you know, like I think I'm going to stay again another year, you Uh know, keep postponing any changes. Yeah. Um, But I love that group. And I've seen girls come and go. There's been girls who have, you know, we found out they relapsed and didn't want to do the 30 day separation to come back into aftercare, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, but we're all there for each other, yeah. you know? Like, it's a room where I can literally break down and cry and be just a teardrop mess and babbling and blubbering and nobody can understand me, and they're all going to tell me, we love you, it's going to be okay. Wow. And it's like, what do you need from us? Tell us what we... And it's like everybody wants to help each other. 
And that was so different from the view I had of women before going into Mara. I saw it as women are out to kill each other. Mm -hmm. Like they all want to stab each other in the back. It's all about like who, you know, can be the best and be the best looking and be the skinniest. Like that's how I saw it. And my view has totally changed. Like I actually have relationships with women that like are real and Mm -hmm. genuine, you know, like they're not based off of, okay, what drugs can you get or what money can you get, you know, or what mm-hmm. can you steal for me to pawn? Mm-hmm. That, that's not even, it's like true, genuine friendships. It's crazy when a girl comes in and I'll like, after a few times of her being in aftercare and me hearing her and I'm like, I was you. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, if I could go back and do it over, I would have taken it a lot more seriously and I would have done three quarters. Like I support three quarters all the way. And everybody's always like, well, did you go? And I'm like, no, but I should have. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm adult enough to realize three quarters would have been the best option mm-hmm. for me. But I was still in that like, oh, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I like these girls now, but I just want to be in my own place. You Mm -hmm. know, I want to get my kid back. It was all about, I want to get Riley back. And, you know, one thing that Mari used to say that would piss me off was you have to put yourself first. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, that's BS. That's Mm -hmm. not true. Like my kid comes first. And Courtney and her metaphor of the oxygen mask is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I never looked at it that way because I would always wonder on the plane, why do I have to put it on myself first? Well, if I don't have oxygen... I'm not going to be of any use to put her mask on. So, you know, my mom understands that too. Like she comes over every Tuesday so I can go, you know, to my meeting and she'll come Wednesday so I can, you know, go to aftercare once a month. So, you know, and it used to be I went to aftercare every week and I did that for a year and then I went to every other week for Mm. about six months and, you know, of course, single mom of two kids. It's like once a month is, (laughs) you know, I wish I could do more, but um, it's a big part of my recovery. Like Mar played a very huge role in my recovery. So what would you say to moms uh, that since you came in as a mom, what would you say to moms that are, I can't afford to be away from my kids for three months or yeah, what would you say to them? I mean, I know it's, one of the hardest things to do to be away from your child, um, especially like when you're getting clean and sober, because like that's when all these feelings start to surface that you've been trying to numb out. But because I took time to focus on me, I can be there for my kids. I'm not out all night anymore, you know, like, I was putting my kid, you know, I was making sure she was fed. I was making sure she was, you know, in bed, bathed. Like she had everything she needed. I was putting her first and then going to do all my drugs. Like I have, I had to get better because Mm. I am of no use to my kids if I'm not better. And for me, it helped me learn to be patient, like, you know, there's things I, from AA I even use in like my parenting ways, you know, like making, you know, the next right choice, you know, taking it one day at a time. You know, mm-hmm. like I tell my five-year-old, like she'll be upset about something. I'm like, I promise you're not going to feel this way forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. it's going to go away. And then like later on when she's happy, I'm like, I told you you mm-hmm. wouldn't be upset all day. Yeah. And she goes, you were right, yeah. you know. Um it's allowed me to be a better mom because I took the time to take care of myself and learn who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Like how am I going to raise these girls and help them become young, you know, these independent women one day when I don't even know who I am as a woman, you know, like 
what traits like do I want my kids to have, you know, my girls to have. So for me, it's about learning who you are and learning to be this better person so you can be the parent that you need to be for your children. And do you feel like it was important for you to kind of get away, like to go somewhere? Oh, yeah. For, for um, that to happen? Definitely. Yeah. Because, you know, and I feel like even the restrictions with phone calls, you know, like not talking to them like every single day, like that helped. Like mm -hmm. it helped me cherish the moments I did get to talk to her, but then it helped me to stay focused on me, you know, and all these women I hear who took time for themselves, their recovery is going well. They're, you know, they enjoy being a mom. They're enjoying life. Whereas the women that I would hear like always saying like refusing, like, no, my kids are going to come first. My kids are always going to come first. I'm doing this for my kids. Like I'm here for my kids. They're the ones that I see back out there in like a month, you know, and my disease will actually try to like guilt me sometimes and be like, you're taking too much time for mm. you. You should be doing this. And I'm like, hmm, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You just keep talking. I'm going to yeah. mute you now. Right, you know? right, like, right. I know what I have to do because, yeah. like, when I um, am not, like, taking care of myself, I'm very irritable with my girls, you know, I'm really quick to, like, be very sharp with mm. them and be like, no. And I hate that I'm even admitting this, but I know there's that renewal week, and I'm even like, I would love to do that. Yeah. Like, take another week where no cell phones, can't talk to my kids, can't, and just have a week where it's self-care, focus on Kelsey, be with other girls, mm -hmm. you know, with other women who are going through this, mm -hmm. you know, like that actually sounds great to me now. Yeah. If you had said that to me two and a half years ago, I'd be like, go screw yeah. yourself. <laughs> right, right, right. I am never coming back to this place <laughs> right. voluntarily. Right, know? right. And now I'm like, I love being there, you know? So what's, if you could, this last question. Okay. What, if you could pass on one thing to people who are listening, what it would, what would it be? Hmm. Just... Be honest with yourself. Be really like deep down inside. And for me, when I looked deep down inside and was really willing to take that look at the things I'd done and who I was, it was like dark and just depressing and misery and pain. And it was just like, this isn't how people live life. Like, there's no way that the population walking around smiling and happy is faking it all the time, you know? Like, there's got to be a key to that. And when I was willing to get honest with myself, like, truly honest after I relapsed and dove into my recovery and was like, all right, like, I want, you know, this peace. I want this serenity. I want to do this, you know, and was really willing to look inside and be like, that's not who I am as a person. I did those things because of what I was doing along with it. You know, would I do that now that I'm clean and sober? No, you know, and that's when it's like, okay, drugs and alcohol, obviously a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and now though, like, I'm happy. Like, and I never, even as a child, because like I said, I grew up in an abusive alcoholic home, and then an even more emotionally abusive um, home afterwards with my stepmom. Like, it's, I never really knew what happiness was. You know, I thought happiness was something materialistic. And now I realize, like, I don't have much, but I love my life, you know? So that's our show. Thanks for participating with us in the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd, our executive producer is David Tate. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.